It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. In regard to our collective future, or lack of it, seven of the nine thresholds that allow for human life on Earth have already been crossed. That's a new headline from MSM and other major sources. Is it true? No. All the thresholds have been crossed, not just seven. Question, for how many decades have the global controllers done their best to covertly degrade and debilitate the masses? It's the fully awakened mob that they mortally fear most. Will orchestrated global conflict be the final fallback card of the global controllers as unfolding and accelerating biosphere collapse becomes impossible to hide from populations? How many are, even now, blindly waving their flags as if nothing is wrong? Later in this broadcast, a justifiable rant on patriotism, what it is and what it isn't. What other cards might power structures soon play? How wide is the web of individuals that are, in one way or another, a part of the criminality, a part of the cover-up, of countless crimes, including covert climate engineering operations, a.k.a. weather warfare? How many are familiar faces? From numerous sources, this headline from this week, Arnold Schwarzenegger calls fight against climate change his, quote, crusade. From that report, the Terminator star who founded the Schwarzenegger Climate Initiative considers his two decades of work to save the environment to be his, quote, crusade. He told this to CBS News last Sunday. He stated, I'm on a mission to go and reduce greenhouse gases worldwide. He continued, because I'm into having a healthy body and a healthy earth. That's what I'm fighting for, and that's my crusade. He finished with this, pollution creates climate change, and pollution kills. Yes, Arnold, you're certainly correct. Pollution kills, especially nanoparticle pollution of highly toxic elements like all those named on climate engineering patents, and showing up in atmospheric and environmental testing all over the world. Will Schwarzenegger, or others in his circles ever admit to the climate engineering weather warfare operations don't hold your breath or on second thought perhaps you should for as long as you can i'm staring at a photo from 2002 of warren buffett arnold schwarzenegger and lord rothschild as they arrive at the waddesdon manor near london what a tangled web. The global cancer of corruption and criminality. For almost 15 years, geoengineeringwatch.org has desperately tried to sound the alarm that when biosphere collapse reached a threshold that became all but impossible to hide, even from large percentage of the populations that are still, unfortunately, completely asleep at the wheel, I warned that the global predator parasite class would play big cards. The three I named over and over false flag events, pathogen release, and global conflict. Fast forward to now. The planet's life support systems are failing, with climate intervention, weather warfare, raging in the skies above. If you think the controllers are done playing their cards, think again. They're just getting started. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the end of the world as we know it broadcast, commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of covert climate engineering operations. Moving on, in regard to the state of the planet, yes, it is far more dire than we've been told. Yet another headline this week from many sources, including CNN, that alludes to this fact. Global loss of biodiversity is significantly more alarming than previously suspected. Again, another shocking red flag example from the so-called science community. Oops, life all over the planet is dying far faster than we thought. We knew at geoengineeringwatch.org, I knew, because of frontline data, unfiltered data. I've tried desperately to sound the alarm on what was unfolding for a decade and a half. What will it take to wake a critical mass from their comatose state, from their normalcy bias, from their Stockholm syndrome? What will it take? How bad does it have to be? We're going to find out. 
You can quote me on that. The latest holiday weekend is just another welcome distraction from reality for the majority of populations that have so far shown, again, little to no interest in facing the wider horizon, a.k.a. facing the truth. From climate engineering to climate collapse to total planetary contamination, converging catastrophes are closing in from every direction. How long till impact? What can we yet do to make a difference? Stay tuned. New from the LA Times. Earth is, quote, really quite sick now, end quote, and in danger zone in nearly all ecological ways, new study states. Again, no. Not just, quote, quite sick. Earth's on hospice care. That's the accurate statement. Life on Earth is dying by the day. Climate intervention operations are accelerating the process, not mitigating it. And about temperatures, although much of the U.S., because it has a military bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined with a tanker fleet that's three times bigger than all other military tanker fleets on the planet, is being kept chemically cool with enough moisture being pumped in from the Gulf of Mexico or from the Pacific. It's nucleated, hazy skies, cool air on the surface, but that's not indicative of what's happening all over the world. Consider this headline from multiple sources. Why is 40 degrees C bearable in a desert but lethal in the tropics? A conversion on that temperature, 40 C, is about 104 degrees Fahrenheit. This is why it can't be tolerated in the tropics. I've been over this on many broadcasts. It's called the wet bulb effect. Too much humidity. Body can't sweat. Can't cool itself. Lethal condition. Again, called the wet bulb effect in that term refers to if you put a wet cloth on the bulb of a temperature gauge and you're in conditions with humidity levels that are too high for anything to evaporate from that wet cloth, it will not lower the temperature. Same with the human body. And that's what that term wet bulb refers to. U.S. temperature update, again, as stated a moment ago, much of the U.S. and a number of other NATO and European countries are being kept with enough moisture over them to chemically nucleate that moisture. And that leads to still hazy skies, but cooler layers on the ground. But at what cost do these temporary and toxic cooldowns come? The current state of the planet's failing life support systems is a harbinger answer to that question. Here's a case in point. An update on the existential threat of ozone layer collapse. New from phys.org. Ozone layer recovery delayed. Surface UV radiation continues to rise. From the report, according to a new study published in Advances in Atmospheric Sciences, the ozone layer isn't healing as quickly as expected, leading to higher levels of UV on the surface. And that's including UVC, and they are not measuring for UVC. I just today spoke to the former NASA contract engineer that meters UV for geoengineeringwatch.org, and he again confirmed that official sources are only measuring down to about 300 nanometers of UV radiation. That's in the UVB range. That's only half the UVB range. They aren't even measuring the other half of the UVB range and UVC. So even when they report that UV levels are rising, they're not even counting the full amount of UV. It's far higher than anything they're stating. The whole narrative that the ozone layer is recovering is a complete deception. Anyone that has a sense of feel that still functions can touch the surface of a car, a window, that is in full sun and it's heating rapidly. It's a very penetrating heat. Surfaces of water bodies heat up very fast too. Ponds, lakes, all of it. Devastating. No ozone layer, no life on earth, no terrestrial life. Perhaps something in the deep seas if they're not boiled out yet. But this is an existential threat we're being lied to about every single day. People ignore their own senses in exchange for the pacification of the official narrative. When will that change? From scientificamerican.com, this new headline. Climate change is exacerbating inflation worldwide. So says a report published last week by the European Central Bank. The researchers set out to examine the impacts of global warming on inflation in 121 countries, and they found that higher-than-average temperatures are driving up the cost of food and other goods and services. The article later states it could be a problem by 2035. Really? 2035? No, it's already an overwhelming issue. Hyperinflation and food shortages are both skyrocketing now, and it will get worse fast from here on out. Question, what part 
is climate intervention operations playing in regard to the decimated agricultural regions all over the globe at the most critical moments of crop production, flash freeze, flash drought, flash floods, over and over and over. Statistically not possible to be nature. And when we can see in satellite imagery these operations going on in skies above these regions, there's nothing to guess about. There's no speculation. There's no hypothesis. Weather warfare is wreaking havoc on food production all over the world. Control the food supply, control populations. From starnews.com, how climate change is fueling increased food prices and limiting supplies. Again, there can be no legitimate discussion about climate anything from any perspective without first and foremost including the climate intervention operations that have totally derailed the planet's climate and life support systems. Let's back up for a moment to that earlier article from Scientific American when their so-called scientist had to do a full study to determine that when it's too hot for food to grow, and by the way, for those who don't know it, photosynthesis stops at 104 degrees, stops completely, tapers off to that point, stops completely at that point, nothing grows. When there's not enough atmospheric humidity, atmospheric RH, you have VPD, vapor pressure deficit. That's happening to crops and forests all over the world because the desiccant climate engineering particles are drying out the atmosphere. That means there's not enough humidity for those plants or trees to open their stomata, their respiratory ports, which they breathe through, which they absorb carbon through, which they release oxygen th through, and thus they don't grow. There's also the contamination, aluminum, which we know kills soil microbiome and affects root systems. That's affecting crops and forests all over the globe. There's all these issues that none of these researchers ever address, not to mention what we breathe coming down through the air column. I'll get to that in a moment. But these teams of scientists coming to these incredibly elementary conclusions that a 10-year-old could reach. And that's our so-called expert community that we're supposed to believe blindly under every circumstance. More on food destruction from phys.org. Triple whammy of cyclones, a 1 in 200 year event drove Italy's deadly flooding, scientists say. From the report, one of Italy's most productive agricultural regions was decimated. Again, yet another example among too many to even keep track of. Control the food supply, control populations. But don't worry, it's just nature, the so-called experts tell us. The report continues, a team of researchers looked for but found no evidence of human-caused warming behind the drenching. Do you think they found any evidence of climate engineering? Do you think they would ever even consider admitting to that glaring reality in this equation? Never. Bad for their careers, bad for their paychecks, bad for their pensions. There is no honor in this equation. Moral bankruptcy permeates the legions of academicians that have received their certificate of indoctrination from power structure-owned so-called science institutions. It's profound how far off the rails the train is and the so-called science community lying about so much of it and so few of them with any honor. And there are few, but not very many. I've met very few, and I see very few in media, in any of these reports, simply all of them towing the line for the matrix. Let's finish off that statement from this report. The so-called scientists found no evidence of any human activity that related to this flooding devastation, including climate engineering, which of course the so-called scientists again refrain from even mentioning. Geoengineeringwatch.org has received messages from Italians that were witness to extreme climate engineering aerosol spraying operations over the flooded regions before, during, and after the floods. For the record, this same agriculture region of Italy was experiencing record drought immediately prior to the record deluge. Increasingly, over many parts of the world, the geoengineering jet spraying almost never stops. Remember and consider climate intervention operations can create devastating drought and record deluge. There are so many variables. The spraying application and the altitude, the composition of the elements dispersed, the size of the elements dispersed, the expanse and strength of the atmospheric frequency transmissions being utilized, and more. Climate engineering, a.k.a. weather warfare, isn't a this or that equation. It's all the above. Also, for the record, the same is absolutely true regarding the state of our own now broken climate and planetary life support systems. It's not a simple this or that scenario, as so many are still incorrectly choosing to believe. 
I hear it far too often. Those that claim there's nothing wrong with the planet, that burning 100 million barrels of carbon fuel a day isn't a problem, that it's all just climate engineering. That's not correct. Again, it's not a this or that equation. It's all of the above. Every form of human activity that alters the energy balance of the planet is a problem. But once more, not to worry, the so-called climate science community is coming to our rescue. New from BBC, this headline, which is absolutely beyond absurd. Using pig fat as green jet fuel, they admit will hurt planet. Experts warn they didn't know that before. The study by Brussels-based Transport and Environment, a clean transport campaign group, points out that there are simply not enough animals slaughtered each year to meet airlines' growing demand for animal fats. Question, did it really take a team of so-called scientists to figure that out? How can one not marvel at the insanity of so many in the ranks of our species, using our food, our livestock, and crops to make so-called biofuel, so-called green fuel to power sky-spraying jets, or jets taking oblivious passengers to their carnival cruise vacations in the sargassum seaweed-filled ocean dead zones in the Caribbean. Back to the dead pig jet fuel insanity. How many dead pigs do you need to fuel an airplane? According to Transport and Environment, a flight from Paris to New York would need fat from 8,800 dead pigs if all the fuel came from animal sources. The article continues, but experts fear scarcity will force other industries to use more palm oil, a huge generator of carbon emissions. Bottom line, air travel, like industrialized militarized societies, is decimating the planet. But Matrix Media wants you to believe that atmospheric pollution is the only thing saving us from ourselves, from immediate incineration, from phys.org. Reduced emissions during the pandemic led to increased climate warming reveal study. Why? Here's what they say. Greatly reduced concentrations of short-lived cooling particles in the air. Less planes were flying, weren't they? Hard to put as many geoengineering jets in the air when populations knew that the jets were supposedly grounded. The travel was brought to a halt. The cooling effect, they say, of the aerosols comes from the fact that they reflect incoming solar radiation back into space. Oh, that last statement from phys.org is a completely deceptive, less than half truth at best. So aside from the toxic atmospheric aerosols destroying the ozone layer, completely disrupting the hydrological cycle and ubiquitously contaminating the entire planet, our filth-filled skies are also trapping more heat than they deflect. Climate engineering is weather warfare. There is no benevolence and there's only harm being done to the planet and the entire web of life, including us. On that note, there's this to consider. From geneticliteracyproject.org, pollution changes the brain. People who breathe polluted air may be at higher risk of anxiety and depression, along with a long list of other downstream degenerative issues. But from this report, people who breathe polluted air experience changes within the brain regions that control emotions, and as a result, they may be more likely to develop anxiety and depression than those who breathe cleaner air. Notice they say cleaner air because there is no clean air on planet Earth now, period. Science study proves it. PFAS forever chemicals in everything, every drop of rain, every breath we take. The report continues, these are the key findings of a systemic review published in the journal Neurotoxicity. Small air pollutants such as ultrafine particles can affect the brain, either directly by traveling through the nose into the brain or indirectly by causing inflammation and altered immune responses in the body that can then cross into the brain. The climate engineers never mention any of the existential threats I just covered. Bad for business. They want us to believe that spraying tens of millions of tons of nanoparticulate filth annually into our once blue skies is going to save us from ourselves. When in fact that is exactly the opposite of what they intend. Also from BBC, COP28, that's the next climate conference, government defends oil boss Jabber, that's his name, to head talks. The UK government has defended the United Arab Emirates' appointment of oil executive Sultan al-Jabber as head of this year's UN COP28 climate summit. The global controllers are no longer even attempting to hide their criminality and hypocrisy.
a carbon industry top dog heading a climate conference. And for all those environmental groups and all those in the global warming community, no shortage of hypocrisy there either. Any discussion you have, any opinion you have about climate anything that doesn't include climate engineering operations first and foremost is invalid. All sides of the fence, pretending this elephant in the sky isn't there wreaking havoc on the planet's remaining life support systems and what remains of our health, deteriorating quickly on both fronts. Next, there's a recent science study published from numerous sources, The Ethics of Unintentional Geoengineering. What a farce this so-called science study is. Unintentional geoengineering, that there might accidentally be a jet that accidentally has wing nozzles, that accidentally sprays climate engineering elements which someone accidentally processed and loaded onto the aircraft. Welcome to the Asylum. From the University of Montana, Ethics and Geoengineering, Reviewing the Moral Issues. No, there is no morality in spraying toxic filth into the skies and pretending that it's somehow benevolent and then maneuvering those particles with incredibly destructive frequency transmissions. Another headline from the National Library of Medicine. Geoengineering, climate change skepticism, and the moral hazard argument, an experimental study of UK public perceptions on geoengineering, which anybody who understands what it is in any manner does not want, obviously. From Anthropocene Magazine, what geoengineering might look like. Take a look up, and you'll see. From the Breakthrough Institute, time to embrace geoengineering. There are so many of these headlines, I'm only scratching the surface. From FEE.org, scientists are hatching mad plans to geoengineer Earth to save us from global warming. How's that working out so far? After over 75 years of covert weather warfare, pretending it's somehow benevolent for the good of humanity, and they're going to save us from global warming, which climate engineering is further fueling not mitigating short-term highly toxic cool-downs, like some of those now being carried out over NATO countries, the U.S., parts of Australia. Short-term toxic cool-downs at the cost of even worse overall warming, destroying the ozone layer even more, toxifying soils and waters even more, killing the forests, which we need to keep the planet cool even more. This report says some scientists warn geoengineering will have unintended consequences. Really? Who would have thought? From greenbiz.com, geoengineering is gathering momentum. Yeah, let's all pretend it isn't raging in our skies above us already. From foreignpolicy.com, solar radiation management needs global governance. That almost sounds like an admission, doesn't it? From columbiauniversity.edu, geoengineering, a short-term mitigation for climate change, question mark. Again, this is so-called academia. The so-called experts with their certificates of indoctrination from power structure-owned institutions pretending that what we see in our skies we really don't see, that all the lab tests from all over the globe somehow are not real to them. And they're literally that blind. I've spoken to some of these people. They are that blind. They don't care what you show them. The truth for them is what the matrix-owned institution where they got their certificate of indoctrination says is the truth. And nothing else is the truth. And that's how brainwashed so many in academia are. That's literally what they are. From the examiner.com, is geoengineering a silver bullet for climate change? Question mark. No. It's a toxic heavy metal polymer and chemical bullet for mathematically certain near-term self-extermination. Here's a final recent example from Caltech. Conspiracy spillovers and geoengineering. From that report, geoengineering techniques such as solar radiation management, for those who don't know what that is, that means putting jet aircraft in the skies that spray particulate dispersions that spread out, disperse, and haze out the whole sky, exactly like what you see on so many days, they say could be part of a future technology portfolio to limit global temperature change. However, the Caltech report says there is public opposition to research and deployment of SRM technologies. I wonder why. They continue, we use English language tweets, almost a million of them, the report says, containing geoengineering globally over 13 years, 2009 to 2021, to explore public emotions, perceptions, and attitudes towards solar radiation management using natural language processing, deep learning, and network analysis. We find, the report says, that specific conspiracy theories influence public reactions toward geoengineering, especially regarding, quote, chemtrails, 
the non-science term, which we avoid at geoengineeringwatch.org. That's the instant marginalization term. Okay for a private conversation, not for media, not for an elected official, not for any academic community. They continue, whereby airplanes allegedly spray poison or modify the weather through, quote, contrails. Think of the level of this deception. This is from Caltech. Pretending that those are, quote, contrails we see in our sky. And we have up-close film footage of these aircraft, nozzles visible, spraying dispersions on and off. We have lab tests from all over the globe with climate engineering elements in them. We have every government on the globe saying we need to put jets in the sky to spray particles of the exact elements we find, every science community in the world discussing this, and all of them yet pretending it's not going on. The Caltech report continues, furthermore, conspiracies tend to spill over, shaping regional debates in the UK and the USA, India and Sweden, and connecting with broader political considerations. They finish with this, we also find that positive emotions rise on both the global and country scales following events related to SRM governance and negative and neutral emotions increase following SRM projects and announcements of experiments. Finally, we also find that online toxicity shapes the breadth and spillover effects, further influencing anti-SRM views. Guess who helped to fund this study? They acknowledge in this report support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. What a surprise. This is so-called academia, the so-called experts, that we are programmed from birth to blindly believe, and there is no honor in them, no morality, with very few exceptions. They told the line for those who provide their paychecks and pensions, total moral bankruptcy, and for all those that believe they can just ignore the insanity, just ignore the converging catastrophes that are closing in from every direction, and everything will magically work itself out. Good luck with that. You'll need it. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 408, June 3rd, 2023. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on 22 AM and FM stations throughout the country. All recent recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and thus our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. If you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities with inarguable proof. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to the dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. When viewing our YouTube of the dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience. About reaching those that still aren't looking up, our awareness materials at geoengineeringwatch.org. These are extremely high quality printed materials and we pass these printed materials on for less than our total cost of printing and shipping. Our only goal to get them into circulation as fast as possible while it can still do some good. We have to change course now or we have nothing left to salvage. We also have shirts and hoodies which strike up conversations very well. That's on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org also. These are conversation starters. We have scannable business cards, bumper stickers, also effective tools to strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. Left column, homepage, geoengineeringwatch.org. These are tools to help us move this fight forward, and we need to move it forward as fast as we possibly can because the sand in the hourglass is running out by the day. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative of our time. If we can expose it, we can stop it from the inside out. That is the only way forward in this fight. This battle is a team effort. If we can awaken the masses, we could yet alter the equation in the right direction, even at this late hour. My deepest gratitude to all those who are steadfastly committed to this must-win fight for everything that we hold dear. Stay tuned for input on how to make your voice heard. Moving on, if you want to see a short but extremely hard-hitting expose of the world's most famous geoengineer laying out his plans for humanity, seven-minute extremely hard-hitting video, look at the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. Here's the title, Most Famous Geoengineer. His quote, it's really not a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. Take a look if you can stomach it. There are many film clips from many conferences 
all of them very damning. Pressing on from theconversation.com, farmers face a soaring risk of flash droughts in every major food-growing region in coming decades, new research shows. That is the schedule, whether that is the warning that they are going to continue to hammer agricultural production. And that's not to say we haven't damaged the planet in many other ways, and that that isn't causing problems as well. It is, but when you intentionally interfere with the system, that is the biggest and most dangerous problem of all because the planet cannot respond to the damage already done. This report says flash droughts develop fast, and when they hit at the wrong time, they can devastate a region's agriculture. Yeah, we know about that happening all over. Look at the presentation I did almost a decade ago. Engineer drought catastrophe target California. And decide for yourself if what I said in that video isn't exactly what happened up until this year when the geoengineers obviously changed the script. Bombarding the West with toxic rain and toxic frozen material that I won't dignify by calling it snow. Chemically nucleated frozen material. Continuing with this report, it says that the flash droughts are becoming increasingly common as the planet warms. No surprise when you add climate engineering to the mix, far worse still. They then say, quote, the lack of rain during a flash drought can further contribute to the feedback process. That's not hard to figure out. The less it rains, the less it's going to rain. Forests die. Forests are responsible for much of the precipitation. People think that forests grow where it rains, but rain falls where the forests grow. It's all connected. Sudan is a harbinger of what's coming. Africa, weather warfare operations have gone on for decades. That's how you bring populations to their knees and force their governments to allow military occupation like AFRICOM, the network of U.S. military bases throughout Africa. It's called empire. But again, not to worry. The so-called science community says they'll save us from the damage technology has already inflicted on the planet with even more technology. Because that's working out so well so far, right? From contextnews.com, drought fuels water conflict in France and Spain as farmers face fury. Climate engineering, drought deluge scenarios, the hallmark of climate engineering operations. With that in mind, from pbs.org, Iran and the Taliban exchange heavy gunfire in conflict over water rights on Afghan border. Don't see a lot of this on Matrix Media News in the U.S., do we? Nothing but political Idiocy, theater, scripted theater designed to distract and divide and polarize populations and it's working oh so well while they have no idea of the oncoming train that's about to eliminate the life they knew. The PBS report states, the Taliban and Iran exchange heavy gunfire on the Islamic Republic's border with Afghanistan, sharply escalating rising tensions between the two nations amid a dispute over water rights. We already know the leader of Iran in years past on the floor of the UN stating NATO was blocking their precipitation, weather warfare. All the Middle Eastern countries that were to be targeted immediately after 9-11 all underwent a once in 1,000 year drought. And that's not coincidence. It's not nature. It's climate engineering. Destabilize food production for populations. You destabilize those de populations and you make them much easier to manipulate. Next, more environmental modification insanity. American offshore wind gets Gulf of Mexico green light. That's from oilprice.com. From this report, the U.S. Bureau of Ocean Energy Management has given the Gulf of Mexico the environmental green light for offshore wind energy development. Touched on this on an earlier broadcast. On the Outer Continental Shelf's federal territory, paving the way for offshore wind projects across 30 million acres. The White House has pledged to reach a target of 30 gigawatts of energy, enough to power 10 million homes by 2030. Good luck with that. If the human race remains on the current course, we'll be lucky if anyone's even around by then. And for all those that are completely skeptical that such a conclusion could have any basis in reality, you won't feel that way for much longer. You can quote me on that. From DW.com, climate change could cut off the Panama Canal. From that report, to see the economic consequences of global warming, look no further than the Panama Canal. Their water levels are down because of less rain in Central America. Experts feel ordinary consumers may end up paying the price. In every arena, drought and deluge scenarios wreaking havoc. From the WashingtonTimes.com, State Farm will no longer insure homes and businesses in California due to fire risks and costs. You'd think State Farm representatives would care about climate engineering, wouldn't you? No, they don't. I've talked to them. They're not allowed to talk about that issue. Thus, they won't. Bad for their careers. Which, for the record, won't matter for much longer. You can quote me on that as well. If the bee disappeared off the surface of the globe, then man would only have four years of life left. No more bees, 
No more pollination, no more plants, no more animals, no more man. Who said that? Albert Einstein. Not many bees around, fewer all the time. You wonder what's happening to the bees? Many things happening. All of them related to human activity, but search bees aluminum. What no one wants to talk about, the bees are dying of massive aluminum exposure, thousand miles away from industry. How's that happening? Primary element climate engineering patents, aluminum nanoparticles. What a surprise. But environmental toxins aren't the only things killing the bees. What part might governments be playing? From New Zealand, from a journalist that I hold in very high regard, Robin Westinra. His report, Murder by Policy, Killing the Bees. From the report, the beekeeper tested all of his bees for Verona mite, which is the parasite that the government is supposedly concerned about eradicating, and all these tests came back negative, yet the government agency still authorized the burning of all 17 of his hives with petrol. Even after proving his hives were free from the mites, the DPI, the government agency, still insisted on destroying them without performing their own testing to verify what the beekeeper had told them. This is the Australian government, by the way, and it seems that they are trying to stop pollination and intentionally attack the food supply of so many people. So many factors killing what nature needs and what the human race needs to continue to sustain itself. We have an insane paradigm of the military-industrial complex that is literally a snake eating its own tail at this point with those at the top willing to destroy everything, as the parable says, so that they can rule over the ashes. And that is the path we are on. From LiveScience.com, mystery pathogen is stripping sea urchins of their flesh and turning them into skeletons and is spreading fast. From this report, a mysterious epidemic that began in the Mediterranean at the start of the year looks set to wipe out all the Mediterranean and Red Sea urchins and possibly their coral reefs as well. For those that aren't already aware, coral reefs all over the world are dying. The oceans as a whole are dying. Let's not forget the flesh-eating bacteria that's now a danger around the shores of Florida and the Gulf Coast. Perhaps all that Fukushima-radiated water that Japan's about to dump into the Pacific will kill everything off, if it's not dead already. What a circus of insanity it all is. New from TheAtlantic.com, the uphill battle to save the West's kelp. Oops, too late. The same with Australia and Tasmania. The kelp forests, a former world of mesmerizing beauty and life where I spent so many hours over so many years, are 95% gone. 95%. And they're claiming we're going to save this somehow? When the oceans die, we will follow. But in spite of kelp forests dying all over the world, we have this new headline from the UK Guardian. Seaweed could avert food crisis caused by extreme weather. We are truly drowning in a sea of insanity. This narrative that I just covered is parallel to the narrative that we can just fill our skies with jet-sprayed toxic filth and prevent total collapse of the environment and climate somehow. How's that working out? Let's find out. Here's another example of how it's working out from phys.org. Some very bad news. Warming climate could turn ocean plankton microbes into carbon emitters. New research finds that a warming climate could flip globally abundant microbial communities from carbon sinks, the biggest ones on the planet, by the way, to carbon emitters, potentially triggering climate change tipping points. The findings are published in Functional Ecology. The findings mean that as temperatures increase, these highly abundant microbial communities could change from having a net cooling effect on the planet to a net warming effect. Too late. Already happening. The same has happened with forests, tropical and boreal. They have gone from carbon sinks to carbon sources. There are feedback loops triggered all over the world, as many as 50, that are now fueling a runaway climate collapse scenario, climate intervention operations, again, core to this whole equation, not the only factor. I stress that. Please don't claim that anywhere where anyone has any education of what we're doing to the planet. We've been horrible stewards of the planet. All of it is a part of this equation. That being said, again, there can be no legitimate discussion about climate, anything from any perspective without first and foremost addressing climate engineering. And back to the plankton. What factor are they not mentioning? It's not just the warming. It's the intense UV radiation that is frying the plankton because they have to feed in the upper layers of the water column and the UV is killing them greatest factor destroying the ozone layer 
is climate engineering. None of this mentioned from these so-called scientists in every arena, half-truths at best, often less than half-truths. And we're expected to believe the so-called experts. From Dawn.com, Shanghai recorded its hottest May in 100 years. On Monday, the city's meteorological service announced shattering the previous high. It's the hottest day, period. They always state things in a way that makes it seem like it's happened before somewhere in the distant past. That way people don't feel quite as alarmed. And that's the point. From CNN, wildfires in Nova Scotia now are out of control, forcing thousands of people from their homes. 16,000 to be exact. So we have Western Canada on fire, Eastern Canada on fire, the north of Siberia on fire. And yet we have places like Southern California, San Diego, that's very unusually cool. We had snow in the Southern California mountains three weeks ago, something like that. I did a radio show in San Diego this week, and the host of that broadcast was very perplexed at why it's so cold, cold, cold in San Diego. In fact, with ocean surface temperatures, the only anomalously a below normal region is off of the North American Southwest coast. That's climate engineering. When you have these incredibly anomalous cool zones on a world that's in total meltdown, and those cool zones are the most populated portions of the richest nations where they want to pacify those populations as long as possible. Again, chemical ice nucleation, cloud seeding, they pump moisture in, they nucleate it, you get a cold freezing drizzle, cold surface layer. When the clouds clear, you often see the climate engineering operations going on overhead. Of course they're climate engineering. Of course they have been for three quarters of a century. Do we think they're going to ask our permission first? Like they asked our permission to detonate 2,400 nuclear bombs contaminating everything on Earth? I hear from so many people they wouldn't do this to themselves. They already have in so many ways it would be difficult to quantify. They're power addicts. They don't care what it takes to retain that power until the brutal bitter end, and that's exactly where we're headed. Next headline, unprecedented Nova Scotia wildfires expected to worsen, officials warn. From ABC.com, wildfires in eastern Canada affecting air quality in major U.S. cities, pushing that air south, often spraying over the top of that smoke canopy, which contains a lot of moisture, by the way, that many people don't realize smoke contains moisture, and they can create a cold layer by chemically nucleating the moisture in the smoke canopy. That's how desperate they are. Search wildfires serve geoengineering agenda for a shocking expose of how that puzzle piece fits into the overall equation. From multiple sources, amid heat wave, over 100 wildfires blaze across Israel. Even in that small country, meltdown. But there's more. New from the UK Guardian, firefighters tackle Highlands wildfire that may become the UK's largest ever. Do we hear about any of this on US Matrix Media? TV media, no, nothing. Just 24-7 scripted political theater. From MDPI.com, lightning ignited wildfires beyond the polar circle. In the Arctic Circle, burning wall, Southern California is wondering why it's so cold. From AISadatmarketing.com, forest fire smoke drifts into Russian capital amid heat wave in Russia. Climate engineering operations are a core factor fueling wildfires, not the source of ignition. That's a secondary subject, but they are the factor that's setting the template for these fires to burn with such ferocity, and it's, it's part of the geoengineering agenda. Again, wildfires serve geoengineering agenda, search that title. The smoke from these fires is destroying the ozone layer, along with the geoengineering atmospheric spraying operations. With that in mind, from NewScientist.com, chemicals used to make decaf coffee are contributing to ozone damage. Stop and think about that one. Put this in the category of hairspray cans destroyed the ozone layer. Don't worry about the geoengineering jet aircraft, the military tanker carrying 100 tons of highly toxic particulates into the atmosphere with every single payload. Tens of millions of tons per year. Don't pay attention to that. It's your decaf coffee and hairspray cans. That's the problem. Again, planetary asylum. From National Geographic, Japan is poised to release nuclear wastewater into the Pacific. How worried should we be? Obviously, very, very worried. Anybody that pretends this isn't a problem is completely asleep at the wheel. They say they plan to gradually discharge more than a million tons of treated water from the crippled Fukushima nuclear plant. And this has deeply divided nations and scientists. There's no ambiguity. 
They're dumping nuclear waste into the Pacific Ocean on top of everything else that's already there, on top of the climate engineering elements being dumped into oceans all over the world and on top of us. Now they're doing this. And for those that don't know, there's three nuclear meltdowns at Fukushima. There's no technology to fix it. There's no end in sight. It's just the beginning. Chernobyl, the sarcophagus is disintegrating. That's going to be a problem again soon. And there's 440 more nuclear plants. Many of them should have already been decommissioned. They're old, dilapidated, outdated, but they're being kept online out of total desperation by the human race. And we're building 60 more right now. When Fukushima by itself will be an extinction level event on the planet if other factors don't do the job first, which is the more likely scenario. Yes, technology is certainly saving us. From phys.org, secret industry documents reveal that makers of PFAS Forever chemicals covered up their health dangers. Should that be any surprise at all? The report says the chemical industry took a page out of the tobacco playbook when they discovered and suppressed their knowledge of health harms caused by exposure to PFAS Forever Chemicals, according to an analysis of previous secret industry documents by the UC San Francisco researchers. A new paper published in May 31st, 2023, in the Annals of Global Health examines documents from DuPont and 3M, the largest manufacturers of PFAS Forever Chemicals. The paper analyzes the tactics the industry used to delay public awareness of the PFAS toxicity. For how long? Nearly 50 years. And we now know that these forever chemicals are in everything. Every single drop of rain. I've been over that in previous broadcasts. This is business as usual for the matrix and those who run the matrix. If you think they care at all about you or your posterity, think again. We have societies and institutions that pretend to be trying to stop human diseases and that kind of carnage while at the same time fueling the problem. True definition of corruption, criminality, and insanity. From ecowatch.com, same theme. Soil analysis in New Hampshire finds higher levels of PFAS forever chemicals than previously thought. Everything is worse than they thought. It's worse than they were willing to tell us. Now they can't hide it. Stated that in this broadcast more times than I could ever even remember. What's our government going to do about it? New this week, U.S. Supreme Court guts wetlands protections. What a surprise. A so-called civilization collapses. So does any semblance of sanity, if there ever was any. From TheEconomist.com, can carbon removal become a trillion-dollar business? It's all about money, isn't it? How much will that matter? Even if you have the shiny yellow metals, how much will that matter on a dead planet? Not at all. And we are so perilously close to that point. From Wired.com, Antarctic sea ice is at record low levels. Is it an alarming shift? Question mark. Why would they even ask that question? Of course it is. When the planet loses its air conditioning system, we're done. The report then states, scientists are watching with bated breath to see if ice will return to normal levels. The planetary consequences could be huge. Now, there's no could, may, might. They already are huge. And how is the ice going to magically return to normal levels? With climate engineering operations, with sea surface chemical ice nucleation, which they are doing, we have satellite imagery of this at geoengineeringwatch.org under the engineering winter section, they are only making an already bad situation exponentially worse. When they chemically nucleate the sea surface, that is putting, in essence, a cap on the heat in the oceans, not allowing it to escape. It's a way of hiding the total extent of Arctic ice meltdown but making the situation worse overall. But they don't care about the consequences. Again, this is the pharmaceutical industrial approach for planet Earth. How many big pharma commercials do we see on Matrix Media that state what symptom they claim to be treating and you hear the downstream list of consequences of so-called side effects and you wonder who would be actually willing to take that product. But people do because they're taught and trained from birth to blindly accept what these so-called experts tell them to do. More headlines on the cryosphere, the Earth's ice deposits, which are disappearing rapidly. New from smithsonianmag.com, satellites show warming tides melting a massive Greenland glacier. The finding could mean that past predictions of sea level rise from glaciers should double again. Way worse than they thought, way worse than we were told. Global predictions for sea level rise so far have captured just the tip of the iceberg, the report says. A vicious cycle emerges 
feedback loop. Again, warming waters eat away at glaciers, which contributes to sea levels rising higher. This brings glaciers into more contact with the ocean, which leads to even more melting. Feedback loop. There are about 50 in play right now. More headlines, same theme. Another new record low Antarctic sea ice extent. Another headline, Arctic sea ice, now at record low levels. Global sea ice extent, that's all sea ice, is at record low levels. How many try to convince themselves that this is a great thing? They can perhaps soon take a carnival cruise to the North Pole and do some snorkeling up there. No, not the case. We lose the cryosphere. We lose the ice deposits of the planet. The planet will superheat immediately, releasing formerly frozen deposits of methane, clathrate, and hydrate from tundra and the seafloor. Game over. Venus syndrome at blinding speed. If you don't know what this is, again, it's not a metaphor. Search geoengineeringwatch.org Venus syndrome. Understand, this is the track we are on. It's not a metaphor. We have decimated the planet. Climate engineering, the biggest single part of the puzzle, but by no means the only piece. There are so many forms of human activity that have affected the energy balance of the planet, and we have obliterated it completely. If by our collective efforts we could expose and halt the climate engineering insanity and allow the planet to respond on its own to the damage done, we would at least buy time, and that's worth fighting for. On the subject of fighting about the U.S. holiday, earlier this week, on which Americans pretend that their country stands for freedom and democracy. From the Harvard Kennedy School Institute of Politics, this waste, greed, and fraud, the business that makes the world's greatest army. Let's correct that headline. Big doesn't mean great. The report states the narrative of mass waste and a misallocation of American taxpayer dollars runs deep throughout the post-9-11 military spending went way before that, by the way. Of the billions that have been poured into the bolstering of the United States and allied militaries, much has gone towards a broken military contracting system that is riddled with fraud and authoritative negligence. It goes back far before 9-11. That is how the entire system is built, corrupt to the core. How many ever stop to consider that America was the only country in the world to use nuclear weapons and use them on hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians? How many stop to remember that? And for all those that are programmed to think dichotomously like simplistic George Bush statements, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists, please widen your field of vision. Our country and all the self-proclaimed patriots in it need to take a good long look in the mirror. Are other countries and governments better? No. They're just on a smaller scale. Consider the following from Mark Twain's profound essay titled As Regards Patriotism. It is agreed Twain said that in this country a man can arrange his religion so that it perfectly satisfies his conscience. Patriotism is merely a religion, love of country, worship of country, devotion to the country's flag and honor and welfare. In absolute monarchies, it is furnished from the throne, cut and dried to the subject. In England and America, it is furnished, cut and dried to the citizen by the politician and the newspaper. The newspaper and politician manufactured patriot often gags in private over his dose, but he takes it, and he keeps it on his stomach the best he can. Blessed are the meek. Sometimes, Twain states, in the beginning of an insane, shabby political upheaval, the patriot is strongly moved to revolt, but he doesn't do it. He knows better. He knows that his maker would find out. The maker of his patriotism, the windy and incoherent $6 sub-editor of his village newspaper, and that editor would bray out in print and call him a traitor. And how dreadful that would be, Twain states. It makes him, a.k.a. the self-proclaimed patriot, tuck his tail between his legs and shiver. Turn traitor to keep from being called traitor. Isn't it true? You know it to be true. Isn't it curious, Twain states. He continues, yet it was not a thing to be very seriously ashamed of. A man can seldom, very, very seldom, Twain says, fight a winning fight against his training. The odds are too heavy against it. For many a year, perhaps always, the training of the two nations, Twain is referring to the U.S. and the U.K., had been dead against independence in political thought, persistently inhospitable toward patriotism manufactured on a man's own premises. Patriotism reasoned out in the man's own head and fire assayed and tested and proved in his own conscience. The resulting patriotism 
was a shop-worn product procured at second hand. The Patriot did not know just how or when or where he got his opinions. Neither did he care so long as he was with what seemed the majority, which was the main thing for the so-called Patriot, the safe thing, the comfortable thing. Twain then says, Does the listener believe he knows three men who have actual reasons for their pattern of patriotism and can furnish them? Let him not examine unless he wants to be disappointed. He will be likely to find that his men got their patriotism at the public trough and had no hand in its preparation themselves. The final excerpt from Twain's essay. There is nothing that training cannot do. Nothing is above its reach or below it. It can turn bad morals to good, good morals to bad. It can destroy principles. It can recreate them. It can debase angels to men and lift men to angelship. It can do any one of these miracles in a year or even six months. Then men can be trained to manufacture their own patriotism. They can be trained to labor it out in their own heads and hearts and in the privacy and independence of their own premises. It can train them to stop taking it by command. I can never count or recall how many times I've been accused of being anti-patriotic because I'm willing to call this country what it is a completely out-of-control criminal empire that's run by a money-printing criminal cabal which masquerades as a legitimate government. I am at times accused of not caring for our military brothers and sisters, but that's not true. I gave to DAV and VFW for over 20 years. I worked as a volunteer rehabbing horribly wounded Vietnam vets that made my heart bleed. But that doesn't change the fact that they sacrificed life and limb fighting for empire, not freedom and democracy. Going back in time far further, from my Choctaw ancestry, the Trail of Tears, they broke all their promises except one. They promised to take our land, and they did. The Trail of Tears, for those who don't know, was an ethnic cleansing and forced displacement of approximately 60,000 people of the five civilized tribes between 1830 and 1850 by the United States government as part of the Indian removal members of the Cherokee Muscogee, Seminole, Chickasaw, and Choctaw nations were forcibly removed from their ancestral homelands in the southeastern United States to newly designated Indian territories west of the Mississippi River. After the passage of the Indian Removal Act in 1830, the Cherokee removal in 1838, the last forced removal east of the Mississippi, was brought on by the discovery of gold in Georgia in 1828, resulting in the Georgia Gold Rush. The relocated people suffered from exposure, disease, and starvation while en route to their newly designated Indian Reserve. Thousands died before reaching their destinations, or shortly after. Some historians have said that the event constituted a genocide. Of course it was, under the guise of making America great. Why are we here? For what purpose did the Creator intend our existence? To acquire and consume? or something far more profound, far more purposeful, to be a part of an inconceivably miraculous web of life. The relentless dedication of an ant that I observed in the woods for almost 30 minutes this week. While in the forest a few days ago, I took a moment to sit in a fallen tree, one of many dead trees in the forest now. I stopped to have a bite, and an oat kernel fell from my granola bar to the forest floor. A foraging ant found it, and recognizing that this kernel of food would benefit his community, he set about the Herculean task of single-handedly carrying this cargo home, though it was many times larger than he. The seconds and minutes passed as my newfound friend, still hoisting the old kernel, struggling through, over, and around all the obstacles that laid before him on his journey home. He was on a mission Relentless, undaunted by any challenge he faced, he never yielded, even for a moment. He knew what his obligation to the whole was, and he was completely committed to it. Inches in his trek became feet. Feet became yards. He soldiered on. I was mesmerized by this ant, courageous and completely committed to his colony. I was deeply inspired by him. Was I observing a lesser form of life, or perhaps in regard to benevolence, one that was superior. Again, I ask, why are we here? For what point, for what purpose, if not to play our individual part for the good of the whole? 
Pretending that electing a particular political puppet of any stripe matters is to miss the point. It's all theater. If what is occurring in our skies is allowed to continue, all other causes and concerns will soon be moot points. If we can fully expose and halt the atmospheric spraying and frequency transmission assaults, we would at least buy time, and that's worth fighting for. This battle will take all of us. Whatever our individual circumstances, we can do something. Something to help stoke the fires of awareness and awakening. Sharing credible data from a credible source is key. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific details on how you can help to move this fight forward. Make your voice heard. Make every day count. Time is not on our side. Until next week, this is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.